Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today is the big 2022 year in review. We're going to look back at everything Apple launched this year. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. And joining me this year, as every year for our year in review, special guest Jason Aten. How's it going, Jason? It is It is good. I, I'm, I do look forward to this. I've had it on my calendar for a year, so I was very happy when you finally texted <laughs> me and confirmed that, you know. Yes. I think this is our third year doing it. That's that true. Right? That is true. Third year. Wow. Time flies. Well, this is going to be an interesting year in review because as I was looking back, I basically went through Apple's newsroom articles from the very beginning. And looked at everything that Apple had a press release for. Because typically anything big or not even big will get like an Apple Newsroom release. I was reminded that there were only three Apple events this year, including WWDC. There was the peak performance in March, which we'll talk about WWDC. And then the September event. And that was it. Three events. And then a bunch of little like press releases and stuff. I feel like, I'm curious your thoughts. I feel like there was probably another event they would have planned for October or November, maybe with the Mac Pro, but as Mark Gurman has said, with all the supply chain and stuff like that, they just scratched it and they said, not worth it. People, you know, recession, whatever, like probably not going to do it. Did you think they had another one planned? I don't know if they had one planned, but that makes sense. If you think about last year, they had, didn't they have three events just between September and November? I think we had events for the iPhone. The, the iPhone event was in October, but I feel like there were like three events in the fall last year I think alone. You- I think that was two years ago because that was the year of the M1 releases in May. But I'm going to go back and now now I have to know. Now I have to know. So uh, fill time, Jason. Last year, all of the events were completely virtual. So all they were doing is producing videos and releasing them online, right? And this is the first year that they transitioned first at WWDC to having kind of a live audience for a video and then for the September event having a live audience. And so I wonder if maybe for them, the standard or the bar is a little bit higher for what they're going to call an event because they did do some releases in October right? and they even made a video, but they just didn't invite people to come and watch it really. Right. That is true. So last year, 2021, they had the April event, which was the M1 iMac, iPad Pro M1 and Apple TV 4K. That was April. They had WWDC in June September event for the iPhone 13, Apple Watch Series 7, and the new iPad mini. And then October was the M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pros. So they had a September and October last year. It was 2020 where they had September, October, November. And November was like all the M1 stuff. October, I think, was like iPads. Actually, I think October was the iPhone 12. And September was the iPad and Apple Watch or whatever. Like, I remember it was... It was weird in 2020. Yeah. But anyway. It was very kind of weird. Real, really quickly, I just want So I was I went to the Apple events page. And you know, it lists it shows you the videos. You can watch the recent events. But if you go down to all Apple events and you click that yeah. link, it then opens them up in Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. And they're I don't not understand. in order. They're not in order at all. Like they have Apple events September 22, and then it's like the top episodes. They have them listed as like most popular. So they have like September 22, November 2020. They got a, a WWDC keynote. So yeah, it's not as not as helpful. It's very weird. But don't you think like doesn't if only Apple had a app designed for hosting video type content that they could uh, link to yeah. instead of the pot. It just seemed very weird. It does seem strange. Although I do think these yeah, these are video podcasts. Like right. it is the videos. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it is very strange. 
They also have them all on their YouTube channel, which, you know, that's where everybody downloads them. So you can uh, that's true. put them in videos. But anyway, we'll put a link to the Apple events page if, if you guys would like to peruse that. Well, I thought let's go month to month as we have the last two years. January, there was some newsroom releases, but basically nothing. Like January was very quiet. It is the uh, the drought of, of tech news. I don't know if you had anything for January, but I don't think there's anything. It's definitely the drought of Apple news, but I mean, it is CES, so it's not really a drought for right. tech news. It's just there's Apple's like, yeah, y'all can do your TVs and floating cars or whatever. We're going to just chill. Right. All the TVs that are like curved and like going down into beds or whatever. So anyway, yeah, January yeah. CES, not much for Apple. February, tap to pay on iPhone was launched. This was February 8th where you don't need like a square reader anymore, but you can use the square app and you can pay phone to phone. You know, basically Apple pay works both ways. You can receive funds and you can pay. And I, I, I thought this was interesting. I didn't see it used for a long time. And then square actually adopted it later in the year and uh, my barber uses it. And so I pay him phone to phone. Like he had a square reader before and he doesn't use it anymore. Now he just like holds his phone up and it works great. Have you ever had the experience of, of tap to paying? Yeah. So I've used it. So my wife does some like craft shows and stuff like that. And she uses square and we have one of those readers, but the tap to pay on the phone is actually a lot more convenient because you don't have to worry about pairing the, the little Bluetooth connector thing. Right. The only thing that's, this is interesting that I noticed is that if someone has like a fancy metal card, uh, it's not super reliable. I don't know if it, um, if it just interferes with all the other things that are in there, but no, that's like you mean like the Apple Card? Because the Apple Card doesn't even have an uh, tap that to is pay. True. Yeah, you have to insert chip. it. Like if you're going to do the tap to pay, they assume you're going to use your phone. So right, that's true. That's true. I learned that one time standing there for about two minutes like an idiot trying to tap my Apple Card onto something, and somebody's <laughs> and finally the person was like, "Listen, you can't actually do that. You have to either use your phone." I'm like, "Oh my, well, of course, <laughs> they'd right. rather you use Apple Pay." Anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so it's a it's a really useful feature, especially for merchants. So that was cool. And then I thought this was interesting because we stopped hearing about it. But February 10th, Apple released a newsroom article about AirTag and unwanted tracking. Because when AirTags came out, there had just been stuff in the news, like, periodically. Just like, oh my goodness, people are using AirTags to track other people. And it's a horrible thing. And so there was this article on February 10th in the newsroom, basically saying they were doing some updates to... Surface more notifications when there might be an air tag around you and make it more visible, and you'd be able to make it make a sound. I forget exactly what the updates were, but I find it interesting because then I don't think we heard much about it after that. I mean, I have not heard about any air tag controversies uh, uh, recently, like this fall or even over the summer. So, have you? heard about anything like that i think it's basically over right no and i do just want to say my favorite thing about that press release was basically apple was telling its own customers behave right there was a right. there was I, I remember writing an article about it and there's a the quote that i pulled was every AirTag has a unique serial number and it's paired with your apple id and apple can provide the paired account details in response to a subpoena or a valid request from law enforcement it's like don't buy these to do stupid things please or we will right. or you we will not have your back it was you're just gonna a very ruin everything yeah you're it's ruin just, it for everybody yeah, and it's just a very interesting tone for apple to take in something where it's talking to its own customers because it's like right. we're giving you nice things please please don't ruin it like you said so i that that to me was the my, my favorite part about it because even when they've talked about the csam which we can get to at some point that they aren't doing but like they didn't take this kind of a tone where they're like please behave <laughs> please right. children just 
please behave. So yeah, stop, stop being nefarious, basically. Yes. So that was February. March was the first big event, peak performance, P-E-E-K, not like Mountain Peak. This is like peaking around a corner. And they announced Friday Night Baseball. That was like the first thing, which time is so strange. I feel like this was announced years ago. I feel like Friday Night Baseball has been going on for a long time, which it's been all this year. But Friday Night Baseball was announced. I, I have watched like 10 minutes of Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV+. Plus. Have you, are you a baseball fan? Have you seen it? We like to watch baseball. We also have four children, so we have no time to just sit around and watch baseball. The only Friday night baseball game that I paid attention to was the one where everyone assumed that Aaron Judge was going to break the single season American League home run record, which didn't happen that particular night. And there was all the controversy about whether or not they would give it back to the expensive paid cable channel in New York and all this kind of stuff. But that was like the the next time I thought about Friday night, but I'm like, oh, I do have that, don't I? I could actually watch it. I mean, <laughs> right. Friday nights at our house is, I mean, we're not going to just sit around and watch baseball. There's just so much going on. Yeah, yeah. Understandable. So I've not watched it much either, but this peak performance event was also the M1 iPad Air, the iPhone 13 in green, which my son actually got several months after that for his birthday, or one month later, actually. Uh, very nice. I wish the greens had come out with the regular iPhone 13s because I would have liked a pro in 13. The Mac Studio and the Studio Display, which I've, I don't know about you, but I feel like of the three events, namely this, WWDC, and the September event, this might have been my favorite because I went with the Mac Studio after it was announced and the Studio Display several months later. I waited at the LG UltraFine and I was like, it's fine. And then I ended up getting the Studio Display anyways, and I love it. It's amazing. But the Mac Studio was like the first new, new product in... A number of years, I feel like, not counting like AirPods Max or whatever. It was like the first new Mac in a long time, new name, new product line. And I really like it. I feel like it's great. And the studio display was the monitor that everyone had been asking for for years, a monitor that was more reasonably priced than the Pro Display XDR, one that was, you know, consumer, prosumer accessible. I mean, it's it's not cheap. It's still $1,500, but it's, it's a good monitor. And the whole webcam controversy, I'm going to say it that way again. The whole <laughs> webcam thing, which, you know, when it came out, everybody was knocking on the webcam. Listen, I use the webcam every day. It's fine. And like, it's, it's not something I'm going to be recording 4K video with, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's a webcam and it serves its purpose. Center stage follows me around. It's fine. Well, what do you think? Was this, was this one of the better events this year? I think, well, and you didn't really talk a whole lot about the iPad Air, No, but gotta to I got to be honest, like the M1 iPad Air was probably the most interesting thing that they introduced at that event because they stuck an M1 in yeah. what is not a flagship device. And it just tells you a lot about who is buying what in terms of iPads, right? Not very many yeah. people buy iPad Pros, which are fantastic, but... I just thought that, I mean, the only thing I could think of to describe it is it's like the M1 iPad Air is just showing off, right? Like at this point, it's just better than it could possibly need to be. I mean, it's pricey, don't get me wrong, but I thought it was really interesting. The studio display is also another one. The the overarching thread that I kind of pulled through this year was that Apple, it's it's kind of about like expectations. It's like give, they just seem to give people, I think this probably started a little bit in last fall, but it's like the, all of the things that people had been just hoping for, right? We saw this with the MacBook Pro, saw this with the, the the Mac Studio, you saw it with like the iPad Air. They're just the Studio Display, especially just giving right. people the things that they really want, right? right and just it, give us SD card slots and <laughs> right. everything, and now they're everywhere. It's great, right? And it's just it's kind of a 
I think it's fair to say Apple has always wanted to give its customers what they want. That's one of the things that people love about Apple. It's just that for the last couple of years, it you'd see features or whatever go to other places and you're like, why can't we just, why do we have to pay $6,000 to get a display with a stand? <laughs> why can't? Well, also it was the MacBook Pros from 2016 to 2020 that had only USB-C ports and the keyboards weren't great. I feel like that colored everyone's opinion of Apple's doing what they want and they don't care what we have to think. And I really think it was like that one product in the lineup that did that because the 2018 iPad Pro was amazing. Like there were some great products that came out during that time, AirPods, but I really feel like the MacBook Pro for those four or five years really like put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And now I think, like you said, between the 2021 MacBook Pro that now has all the ports, brought MagSafe back, the Mac Studio with an SD card slot up right on the front. Like, it's everything that everybody wanted. It's great. I think you're right. I will just say that I loved the MacBook Pros of that generation. What? I, I type, you know, is I, I probably type at least 12,000 words a week or publish 12,000 words a week. Yeah, yeah, you're a writer. Yeah, I love the butterfly keyboard. <laughs> I know that's really? a very controversial. The thing I hated about those was we've talked about this before was the touch bar, mm. but the keyboard I had no, I love the butterfly keyboard. I never had any problems with it at all. In fact, when they introduced the whole, we'll replace it for free kind of a thing. And I don't even know. They like stuck extra foam in there. I don't remember what they did, but I went and had them do it because <laughs> the membrane, yeah, the membrane I went in. and had them do it just because I'm like, whatever, they're going to do this for free and maybe I should do this. And it was fine. Like, I, But I never had one fail. I never, maybe it's because I don't eat pretzels over my keyboard that it was just fine. But <laughs> I right. I personally, no, I like the new keyboards too, just to be clear. The ones on the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro are great. But yeah. I, I, I did like the butterfly keyboard. I will say that along the expectations line, I think the problem with the webcam on the studio display was that people were, most of the people who use their webcam a lot were not, or at least they had a platform large enough to tell other people what they thought about that. So journalists, YouTubers, whoever. Yeah, they weren't using the built-in webcam. And the studio display webcam is a step up from a built-in webcam on any other Mac device. But if you compare that to your Sony A whatever SLR or oh, yeah. or even like I have this Logitech Brio that shoots 4K and it's great. Like the studio display is a step down from those things. But most people who would buy this to stick it on a desk that's not what they're comparing it to. So it is better. It is better than the thing that they're replacing it with. Yeah. And I think the studio display is a little bit overpriced, but it is by far the best display I've ever had sitting on my desk. Like there's just yeah. no question. So, so you use a studio display too. I do. I'm looking at one right now. I love it. Oh, yeah. I used to have my favorite display before this, which I hadn't used in a while because it wasn't retina was the, the old Apple cinema displays, sure. like the old led or LCD ones. But this one, I feel like, not only does it fill a gap that Apple hasn't filled for a long time, it just is a really good, it's what you'd expect to be looking at if you're using a Mac. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. And I have the visa mount uh, thing. And so I can like move mine around and like tilt it. It's nice. Nice. Now I will say the butterfly keyboard, I didn't hate it either. Like, and I actually was okay with the feel of it. I even sometimes liked it. I had like that 12 inch MacBook for a few months. And I thought in that form factor, the butterfly keyboard, like it was nice. I think it's just the error rate for the keys and people who had all those kind of issues. I think that was the the bigger deal. And I was okay with the feel of it for sure. And I never had the the keyboard issue, to be fair. Like it never double space things or whatever. It's I do want pretzels. Go, I think the people yeah, it's pretzels. It's the pretzels. Yeah, Pringles too especially. Yeah. Uh, those, that would, yeah. But the M1 iPad Air, like you said, 
it was a great product. I, I do feel like that was the beginning of the muddying of the iPad lineup because when the M1 came to the iPad Air, it was like, why the Pro instead? Like every, you know, promotion, whatever, like we know in the tech world, the differences. But for most other people, it was like, why would I get that over the air? And I think even now in December, if someone were to ask like, what iPad should I get? The iPad Air is still the answer. Like most people should not get a pro. I don't think they should get the the, the new baseline. I mean, it's a nice iPad, but the whole Apple Pencil shenanigans, like we'll get to that when (laughs) in the uh, October thing, when we get to October. But I do feel like it started confusing the lineup at this moment. Not that I wouldn't have wanted the iPad Air to be what it is. And with the M1, the Apple Pencil second generation, like it's a great machine, but it did start getting like confusing. I do think, it does get confusing for people who are looking at the whole lineup and comparing things probably for the average consumer. It's not confusing at all because it's like, do you want the cheap one or do you want the good one? And the <laughs> iPad pro is not a thing that they're considering. Cause it's like, do you want the cheap one, the good one or the thousand dollar one? They're like, I don't need the thousand dollars. Right. One. Right. And right. if you tell me that the good one has the same processor, I mean, it doesn't technically now because the iPad pro has the M2, but if you just tell me that that one has the same processor as the good one, like what am I paying extra for? They don't, those things don't matter, you know, promotion, whatever to the average person who's using, no. especially because you can use the second gen Apple pencil with it. You know, it's got the same form factor. It's got USB-C it's, it's the good one. So that's right. really the only question for the average person. It's for people like you and I who are thinking, gosh, I mean, could I get everything done with that? And the answer is probably yes. Like the iPad air is an incredible device. The M one yeah is more powerful than most of the every Chromebook you can buy. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, my God. And most of the PC laptops that you can buy, especially for anything close to that price point. So Right. For sure. So also in March, I just want to mention this quickly. Coda wins Best Picture, which was an Apple TV Plus original, which, I mean, they bought the rights to it, however you want to think about it. But I think it was a big deal. They won Best Picture for one of their pieces of content. Apple Business Essentials launched, which was their foray into the whole like mobile device management, giving people kind of high level access to some of those things. I used it when it first came out for a business and it's really good. Like they did a really good job there with the business essentials. And I'm only saying this because I'm like annoyed by it. But the first state ID in Apple wallet came out for Arizona, you know, the whole digital ID. And this was announced WWDC 2021, I believe. Like this was like a year and a half ago now as we record. And Florida was announced as one of the first states that were going to adopt this. Still don't have it. Still don't have it. And I did the whole thing where apparently Florida has this app where you can actually get your digital ID. And I did it. It is the jankiest app. It is like, so bad. Like you could tell this was not really invested in. And like it's called Florida Smart ID. And I figured if that's there, why can't we just get it in the wallet? Like it was advertised. And so I don't know what the deal is, but this whole state ID in Apple wallet is taking very long and it's annoying. Yeah. I don't think Michigan's even on the list and I don't ever, (laughs) I never think about the state ID until I listen to someone talk about it on a podcast, because honestly I don't, I don't. And I mean, I probably fit the category of someone who would benefit from it because I travel a lot, Right. but I don't, I mean, it honestly isn't that difficult to just hand over. And I don't even hand over, I I don't even hand over my driver's license because 
for various reasons, I don't have one of the real ID. Like I just haven't uh, renewed my license yet and they keep pushing that back anyway. So I just use my um, passport card, like oh, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. I'm traveling domestically, yeah. but so you hand it and they scan that thing and you're good to go. Like whatever. I, I actually did have to renew my driver's license a few months ago and they were like, oh, you don't have like the real ID thing. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, if he, you need the star on your driver's license and that means you're like an actual human being right like you're like officially th- i didn't even know that was a thing you're not and a droid so, yeah we've started, we've started giving driver's license to droids so we have to <laughs> right. distinguish between chat, G- them. chat gpt has a driver's license right. and this this, this uh, distinguishes the humans supposedly there's supposed to be some kind of a increased level of but they look the same except for the star there's the bit i mean if you compare star. license in michigan and that has like my wife has a star and i don't have a star and I, so she's a better driver. I don't even know. Well, we had to bring like our marriage license, like a birth certificate. We had to yeah. bring like a bunch of stuff to like prove. It. I didn't even know that was a thing. So yeah. And that's actually the reason why I didn't do it the last time I renewed is because it required you to have your birth certificate. And I'm like, right. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's in a safe somewhere, but, uh, I'm you don't gonna, know where it is. I'm not, it's in a safe, but I, w- I was at the DMV. I'm not going to go home and get it oh, just yeah, to no, renew no, my no. license. I'm like, I'll deal with this in four years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's a pain in the neck. I dealt with it recently. So that was March big event. Then we moved to April. Not a whole lot happening. Apple did announce that WWDC was going to be online, but like ish, because there were going to be some in-persons too, but they initially said online and then they were going to do like the whole lottery later. And then the self-service repair program launched in April as well from like certain devices. I think it was like iPhone and something else initially. But did you ever try any of this? Like, do you have any desire to repair your own devices? I don't at this point. I, and it was the iPhone 12 and 13, basically. Well, those right, right. Siri, those model years. And I, I don't have much of it. I've, I've replaced things on older iPhones in the past, front screens, back screens, done wow. some stuff. I've, I've repaired my iPod a couple times because of, like I put a CF card in it and I changed the battery because I still have one that works. But <laughs> Apple Care Plus is just too simple to pay whatever it is, 10 bucks oh, a month yeah. and just let someone else deal with it. And, Absolutely. but I do think it's, I, it was one of the most entertaining things that they announced because it just led to this onslaught of people complaining about the 80 pounds of junk that they send you or whatever. Right, right. So it was fun to kind of watch that. But my personal take was, this is a good thing, right? Yeah. And I know that we can talk about more of it later, but they've expanded it now. And right. like they meant what they said, right? They yeah. they said they were going to make it so that you can repair your own devices. And when you look in the, in the fall at what they did with the iPhone 14, and they actually made it easier to do that, like Apple seems to be serious about that. Whatever the motivation is, whether it's because they're going to be forced to, because right. you know they're just tired of iFixit complaining. I don't. I doubt that's true because no, they're not, not that big. Sure. But it's more like the EU government passing laws that they have to do it. I guess so. I mean, the EU has been doing a lot of that lately, and right. I don't think Apple's real happy with that. But <laughs> but I do think that. So and I've I've had conversations with people at Apple about the self service repair on multiple occasions in the sense that I get right. These are, these are professional communicators. So I don't know, but I feel like my BS radar is pretty good (laughs) is that they really do mean it. Like they really do want to make it easier. If people want to go that route, I think they feel pretty strongly that it's a stupid idea to try to repair your own device. But if you want to, (laughs) they will make all of the same parts and tools available and you are more than welcome to waste an entire day of your life doing it. Get the whole Pelican case with the, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, no. So that was April. May, not much happened because we're leading into WWDC. But I thought it was interesting. I'm not sure if they've done this in previous years. Apple actually previewed 
some of the accessibility features that we're going to be launching with iOS 16. Things like, you know, pointing your iPhone camera at a door or whatever, and it like reads things to you. And I forget, the, you can control your Apple Watch from your iPhone, things like that. And I thought it was interesting. I, you know, they wanted to give it, I think, a special highlight without, you know, knowing that the WWDC keynote, very fast paced, like probably couldn't give it the time it deserves. And so I thought that was good. You know, they do it in May, we get to see it. And I think it was, again, the first time we kind of saw features from the next operating system even before WWDC. I thought that was cool. I want to just mention one thing. It it didn't come out in May, but did you see the accessibility ad that Apple put out about a month ago? It was amazing. It's one of the best ads I've ever seen for anything. I just wanted to mention that. It, I think it's called the greatest yes. and it's it, you just, when you watch that, you realize these people have thought about this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. They genuinely, cause most of us who don't, I mean, we look at the accessibility features as, wow, this is a cool hack, <laughs> right? I can, right. I can get back to my home screen by tapping on my phone, but there are people who really need that and we don't really think about it, yeah. but man, there are people at Apple who are really thinking about this stuff. It is amazing. It's one of their most viewed YouTube videos. It's got like 16 million views. It's like two minutes and 21 seconds, but it is basically a film. And like, I got emotional watching it. It's just amazing. I know exactly when. It's when the when the woman looks at her watch and it says baby crying. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> that is the, and you're just like, yeah. oh my gosh, there are people who like, I have four kids. Right. I, I'm very familiar with the sound of <laughs> babies crying. But can right. you imagine if you, like, that's a, yeah, that's life changing. It all of it, like the guy taking portraits of himself yep. by himself, like that's amazing. And then controlling his Mac with all the facial expressions. It's like, what the heck? How is this yeah. even real? And it's it's amazing. Yeah. Everybody should watch that. You should I mean, yeah. I'll put the link in the show notes for sure. Everybody should go watch it. So then we come to June, WWDC. It was the video, and some people went in person. We have Iowa 16, iCloud Shared Photo Library, Stage Manager editing and undo iMessages, all of that. We had macOS Ventura, continuity camera, I think was the big feature for that. Plus all the other improvements that kind of come across the lineup, like messages, mail, undo send, and send later, which I just want to talk about mail for a second. Number one, the whole remind me in mail, I really wish actually acted like snooze did in every other email application because it's really not useful. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Do you still you? I mean, I know you're a, you were a Spark guy, and then I saw you complaining about it on Twitter. So, are you still on Spark, or did you move to Mail? I am using Spark, and I'm actually farther into Spark now. And the reason is that they just updated to um, a new, like I think they call it Spark Three, or on the Mac they call it Spark Desktop to dif- differentiate from the previous version. But the reason is that it it got some power user features that I really wanted, that which are mostly a keyboard shortcut type things to make it easier to triage your mail. Their snooze feature is is great because you can say like snooze it to a specific time or you can set preset times that are like remind me at this time this afternoon that I want to check my mail or whatever. And it, it, so I'm actually even, I'm basically a hundred percent into spark. Now the only time I ever go back to mail is sometimes I have to search for something that's really old and the mail app happens to do a better job because all of those old emails are in my iCloud really? you know, archive. So just for the older stuff, because it's already been indexed. That's basically why. See, when I have to search for something, like I'll go to my account, like I'll go to Gmail or mm. Outlook or whatever, and I'll like search in the web interface because I feel like that is still better than the mail search. Maybe. I mean, it doesn't happen super often for me. It's just, I'm talking about stuff that's like from 
2012. <laughs> and that's yeah, 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 been indexed sure. back then. I'm sure Gmail's, but I just can't bring myself to use the Gmail interface for anything. So, but Sparks added some features that you used to find in apps like Superhuman, which is like the superpower user right. email app. And, and I actually really like, I, I really like it now. I'm a hundred percent. And it also has by far the best feature, which is you can share emails with people who are using like who are within your team. And so I have right. someone who I share the email with, they can see the whole thread, they can respond as themselves. And we can have a whole conversation. It's like having a Slack channel about an email built right into your email app. So I, mm. I that that feature is like a lifesaver if you're using mail with someone else. So man, I think I'm gonna try spark again, because like, it's pretty good. I use Apple mail everywhere. But then when I need to snooze a message, like an animal, I'll go to gmail.com or I'll go to Outlook and I will snooze it in the web interface because it's the only way it will actually disappear from my inbox and come back at the day and time that I want. Because that's what I want snooze to do. I don't want to see this email until Monday or whatever. Right. And just does not do it. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, but it's great. I'll also say Focus Filters, which was announced at WWDC, might be one of my favorite features that Apple launched this year. And like no overstatement because... I use it all the time. I have focus modes that activate throughout the day, but especially every evening and on the weekend. This is another reason why I'm not sure if Spark uses focus filters or like uh, added that feature, but Fantastical did. And so for my Fantastical account and for my email and even messages, I love that in the evenings and on the weekends, I see no emails, even if they come in, you know, everything is snoozed. Everything is like hidden except for my personal stuff. And then all the work stuff re-enables the next morning or on Mondays after the weekend. Like focus filters is wonderful. Spark doesn't use that, does it? I don't know because I haven't, I have not used them in that way yet uh, um, oh, in terms amazing. of like turning off different things. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I did use it because I did write about that at one point. So I, I, I played around with it, but I'm more prefer like if it's me, I want to just like not it's. I'm a little bit more all or nothing. And so it's mm, like, sure. I'm in mode where I want everything to come in or I'm in a mode where I want almost nothing to come in. And in those cases, like right now I have a podcasting focus. So the only thing that'll happen is if, you know, my wife texts me that the upstairs is on fire or something like that. Right. So <laughs> I don't need anything. Nothing else matters. That's the only thing that matters. So, um, right. See, I want to be able to get my Chipotle confirmation email. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, true. That's, that's the kind of stuff. So that's true. Now also in iOS 16 was custom lock screens, live activities, I wish live activities like that. I wish there was more support for it. Flighty is still probably the best implementation of it yet. And supposedly Uber Eats is getting it soon. But have you seen anything besides Flighty to really take advantage of those? Not really. And I have seen it happen on accident a couple of times. Like I had the ESPN app open once and I swiped away and some in something. For, I wasn't like paying attention to a specific game or anything, but some score popped up to the top and i'm like what what's going on right now <laughs> why this i don't i don't care about this baseball game or whatever it was i mean it would have been great during the world cup i guess but sure. it, it didn't flighty is like by far the most it's it's not only a great implementation it's just a super practical yes. use case for that yes. and i i find it to be for someone who travels a lot especially it's it's perfect yeah it's wonderful also the custom lock screens i have to say when apple implemented the uh like change the photo every hour and just choose photos with these faces in it. Most of my family has now like done that. Like once they oh. figured it, like realized that that was a feature, my mom, my wife, like they love that. And every hour, basically for my wife, it shows a picture of our kids 
And every hour she's like, oh, look at this. And like all the photos you've taken over the years that you've forgotten about or have just sat on your iPhone and probably never would have looked at for years and years. Like they actually are useful and they surface them and it's like cute memories. Like excellent, excellent feature. Love it. Yeah, it's great, except for that I would not know which phone to pick up because that's how I know is by the photo that's on the screen. Uh, like, oh, that one's mine. I guess I'll pick it up. Otherwise, if, if the phone was changing all the time, I'd be like, wait, is this my phone? Yeah, I don't use the photo thing, but everybody else loves it. So <laughs> I, yeah. I do a wallpaper. I will say iOS 16 has been the buggiest update for me, and I'm going to get to that later because my home is like home kit home. is just a mess. <laughs> but anyway, uh, also the M2 MacBook Air launched at WWDC, which... Excellent update to the MacBook Air. Great, like, entry model. And also the most meh computer that Apple launched this year, which was the M2 MacBook Pro with the touch bar, which I feel like no one has said a word about since it was launched. Like, I never, I actually forgot about it. I totally forgot that that was actually a computer Apple still sells. No idea. I don't know if I was talking to someone about this on a podcast because I feel like I've said it out loud, but I think it falls into this category again. That device is not meant for you. Right. Or any of us, that's a device they sell to schools right. and they sell to companies. Right. And so they keep it around. It's the same reason that there's an Intel Mac mini still, right? Like it yeah, is not, weird. it is not meant for us, but we look at it in the lineup and we're like, well, the ninth generation iPad is another good example. But like, why does this, why is this there? It doesn't make any sense. I would never recommend this to someone. I would never buy this. Never. And Apple's like, right. We don't care what you think. This is not, <laughs> this is not a product designed for you. Right, you're gonna buy an M2 MacBook Air. You're gonna buy a MacBook Pro, like a 14-inch MacBook Pro. But they sell a ton of them. It's because you could buy an eMac when those were for sale for schools. Like there were ways you could get those, but they weren't designed for consumers, right? Like there's Apple just makes enough of these things that they might as well put put the button in the skew on the page in case somebody randomly stumbles (laughs) across and they're like, I I want something with Pro in it, the name that doesn't cost me two thousand dollars, right? So do do you think like a zombie? that MacBook Pro will live on to the M3 lineup with the touch bar and everything? Ooh, or this, that's a good question. I feel like... It would not surprise me. Because this, this body style has been around since 2016 with the touch bar, and now it's been six years. I mean, it's going to still be for sale probably for the next, like into 2023 until the M3 lineup. You know, maybe that's even the fall time. I don't even know. But I can't, I can't imagine... It sticks around. I feel like once the MacBook Air launches and maybe the M2 MacBook Air can lower in price, I mean, it's got to go away, right? Okay, so which one do you think will still be around longer? The M1 MacBook Air in that form factor or some version of the 13-inch MacBook Pro? I think the M1 MacBook Air. I feel like they'll keep that around as the sub $1,000 option, at least for another year. Like through 2023, they probably won't even mention it all year. It'll just show up on the slide when they talk about the Mac lineup, you know, and you'll see yep. the M1 MacBook Air like slide in behind all the other MacBooks. But I can't, I mean, I can't imagine this thing still be for sale a year from now with the touch bar. Yeah. If that, if the 13 inch, if they're still selling something with the touch bar a year from now, it will be a tragedy. <laughs> so you will know so that weird. this is fully Tim Cook's operational they, dream. Yeah, some, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one buy that. Don't let any no. friends don't let friends buy the M2 MacBook Pro. Hundred percent. But the, but I will say the M1 MacBook Air is still one of the best value laptops you can buy. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great machine. I recommend that one to everyone. So July, not much. They had fifty-two Emmy nominations. I always tell William Gallagher, many for <laughs> Ted Lasso, 
even though he refuses to watch the show. I don't understand that. I feel I like that's just either. a gag at this point. He's I bet you he's watched it secretly and he just he's no, pulling your chain. I, can't I don't think so. He's he said he's read the script, which I'm yeah. like, if you're gonna take the time to read the script, just watch the show. I feel like it also he said something to you recently you recommended something else and he said i'll see if i can read the script i'm like no no no, no, no. <laughs> these are tv shows you don't have to read the script you can just watch them and guess what they're better because there's movement and pictures and lighting and like right actors. especially like ted lasso like the comedic effect is most is non-verbal you know what i mean like just i don't even know i don't know, I don't know right i mean imagine if you read the script for spirited i bet you half the things will ferrell says in that movie aren't even on the page <laughs> yeah exactly that's true too so anyway i don't understand but i also think severance was one of the many nominations and i thought severance was like the first cultural moment apple tv plus had for an original show and I think that was the first like proof of concept to say Apple can make a thing and it becomes like a somewhat of a phenomenon, you know, like Game of Thrones was for HBO Max. Not saying it was that to that level, but Severance was the first time people were like, have you watched Severance? And it was kind of like not just in the Apple nerd community, not just like whatever. It was something that people were hearing about and wanted to see. And I think that's Apple TV plus needed that moment. You know, do you think even more than Ted Lasso? I think, cause I know a lot of people who got Apple TV plus to watch Ted Lasso, but I have not heard of people who have gotten it to watch severance. I felt like I'm just curious. So I think Ted Lasso was a cultural moment, but being like comedy first, like it was, it was super deep too. Like, I will still, every time the dart scene from the first season of Ted Lasso shows up on like TikTok or whatever, I'll watch the whole thing. Yeah. Like I still love that scene, but it feels like severance was here's how Apple TV plus can be weird and very original and like make it. So you want, like you have to finish the show. I don't know. I, I do feel like it was different to a different extent. What do you think? No, I, I think I agree with you. I just was. I think Ted Lasso was probably their first cultural moment. And I think Severance yeah. was like, okay, we're not just a one hit wonder, right? We can do this. Right. We can create right. a slate of content that is very good that you're going to want to watch. <clears throat> Obviously it came after they won uh, an Oscar for Coda. So that probably put them uh, higher on people's list of like, okay, this right. is not just an add on feature to your iPhone. This is a streaming service that you actually might want to think about paying for. Right, right. And now they, they're even adding movies, like the Hunger Games movies are now part of Apple TV+. And so you can just like, they're trying to, you know, grow the library. So you don't just pay for it for the originals, but actually have these other movies. And so I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, I think so. I think they're committed at this point. Oh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Listen, as we head into the new year, it's time to make sure you clean up those subscriptions, all those things that might be hitting your credit cards, maybe some that you even forgot about. I actually didn't realize I was still paying for a Netflix subscription for a while, had no idea until Rocket Money actually showed me, hey, you're actually still paying for this, and now I can cancel it or keep paying for it if I want to watch stuff. But Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, you might recognize that name, it's a personal finance app, finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. So many people, actually over 80%, have subscriptions that they totally forgot about, like a streaming service you bought and just watched one show on, or that free trial that you never even used. Well, Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. And Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions easy just by the click of a button. 
find the subscription you don't want. In the app, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service. Yes, there's some periodicals that still make you do that. Or tedious emailing back and forth. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money. I'm one of them. I love using Rocket Money and saves the average person up to $720 a year. You might remember my story about a storage unit I was paying for. They upped the price on me. Didn't tell me for a couple weeks, but Rocket Money notified me as soon as it hit my card and it was more expensive than the month before. Love Rocket Money for finding those subscriptions that might have changed price or it's time to cancel. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Apple Insider. That's rocketmoney.com slash Apple Insider. Cancel those unwanted subscriptions today. Rocketmoney.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. Now, August, not much. Self-service repair came to Mac Notebooks, and so they keep expanding the program. And I thought this was funny. This was a newsroom article that Apple Card ranks number one in customer study. I don't know what study it was, <laughs> but I find it wild that it's still U.S. only. And every time I mention Apple Card, you know, William and people in Canada are like, yeah, great for you. <laughs> we still don't have it. Jason, what's going on? Why is the Apple Card in more countries? It's just got to be the intricacies of like banking, right? Because Goldman Sachs is their partner. Yes. I don't know if Goldman, like who knows? I, I'm not a banking expert by any means, but it, I feel like that. Yeah. It's not like Apple doesn't want to take the money from the people in other places, but I'm just, sure. it's got to be finding either finding a partner or because I don't know, but Goldman Sachs, to my knowledge, has never really offered credit card products before, at least not to consumers, maybe for private banking customers. And so perhaps they are not able to do that in other countries. And whether Apple wants to find a partner, I don't know. I don't know. It's a supply chain thing. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the titanium card is hard to get. So, but I mean, here's the thing, like I hear William talk and I mean, Apple card is fine, but like, almost more of a party trick gimmick kind of thing. Like it's great the way that it integrates <laughs> right. with your phone, but it's not like it's a great card necessarily. You can do better if what you care about are rewards, but you know, unless you're just going right. to, I mean, a lot of people that I know only use it to buy Apple stuff. Cause that's really what it's. That's what for. I do. Yeah. And you get 3% cash back. So it's like, right. Which is great if you're buying Apple stuff. So. Right. Yeah. I'll, Wes uses it for everything. Like he uses Apple car for everything and he gets all the daily cash and, and all that. So I don't know, you know, if you use Apple pay, you also get 2% cash back. And so there will be some times when I know it's an Apple pay thing that I'll use the Apple card. And if the savings account actually launched, which we'll get to in October, I might be more inclined to do it. Cause just curious, like how that would actually build, but mm-hmm. it's not launched yet. So yeah, no. now September was the final event for Apple for the year. It was the far out event, which I feel like one of the times the name actually, well, I guess peak performance was kind of applicable to the launches then, but far out, they had the little satellite in the opening video for the event, which I tweeted. I was like, look, I see a satellite. And sure enough, satellite SOS was a feature, <laughs> but it was the Apple Watch Series 8, one of the like most iterative updates, barely anything. The big story was the Apple Watch Ultra, AirPods Pro 2, which are incredible and I love mine, the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro which there's no more mini and the 14 got a plus size pro got the dynamic Island and always on display. I still really like my Apple watch ultra. It's my daily wear. Have you moved to the ultra or you on what Apple watch are you on? No, I mean, I did use the ultra, but I'm, I actually have a series seven. <laughs> Apple sent me a series eight to review and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, like I reviewed the ultra that they sent, 
which was great. And I, I can happy to talk about my favorite experience with the Apple watch ultra, but it, it wasn't compelling enough for me to like pay lots of money for one at this point. Although if I didn't have an Apple watch, I might have considered that one is the one I would buy, but I have a series seven. That's like fantastic. Right. And there's almost no difference between the series seven and series eight. There's no meaningful difference that I care about between the two. I try not to get into car crashes and I have an iPhone in case, but. And you work from home, so it's not like. Yeah, that's true. The only crash I'm going to be in is when I go up and down the stairs and (laughs) mine will do fall detection. Yeah, fall detection. Yeah, you're good to go. You're good to go. But the Apple Watch Ultra, I don't know if you want to dive into that one, but I will say I, I was in Denmark in October and I wore the Apple Watch Ultra and I did not charge it the entire time I was in Denmark, I used it for directions, for like sending text messages via Siri, like all the things. And when I got on the plane to go home, I arrived on a Tuesday and went home on a Friday. I still had, I think it was like 16% battery life yeah. after not charging it. Now I didn't wear it to sleep because I was not trying to be like, I'm not a masochist. I was trying to like give it a chance. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just wanted to see like, how long could I possibly go before this thing dies and the battery life on that watch it's amazing is it's just ridiculous it's one of the reasons why i wear it because if i forget to charge it or whatever i just don't want to charge it like it's not a big deal and i also now that i'm so used to the bigger screen whenever i i still have my series 7 whenever i put that on it looks like the smaller size apple watch like it looks like a 42 millimeter or whatever mm. and i do i do just like the bigger screen i do miss the curved edge because when i look at my series 7 I do think that design is just very elegant and it's really nice. It just looks like a nicer watch and the Ultra is still is much more like functional, robust, I guess you would say. But the battery life and the screen size is like worth it. And the action button is nice too. Like I'll go for walks and I just have that mapped to start a walking workout and it's really nice just to hit one button and the workout starts and it's the yeah. workout that I planned and programmed like it's pretty cool. I do agree. I feel I remember um, my first take, I was at the, uh, September event. And when we were walking through the product area, my first take was like every watch, every Apple watch should have an orange button. I mean, it doesn't have to be orange. I don't care, but that is probably one of the smartest things yeah. that they did. I though, personally, I'm not an, an extreme athlete. In fact, I think that my, same. my take was like, I'm convinced that the Apple watch ultra is going to be the perfect watch to wear while I time my daughter's cross country races and keep track of how much <laughs> right. is left in a kid's soccer game. So basically it's going to be great to wear while while other people work out right? like that's, <laughs> right. the apple watch ultra is the perfect watch to wear when my children are working out and it's true it's it's fantastic for that it lasts all day i actually personally the biggest thing for me was i kind of like the stainless steel and you, yeah. you don't have that choice on an, on an apple watch ultra so you don't and i like the titanium which you no longer mm. have that choice for the series eight which yeah. i think is unfortunate but so airpods pro 2 also great uh, did you upgrade to those i do have a pair of airpods pro 2 and yeah i don't know that I mean, they are better. Uh, the thing I like about them is the sounds that the case makes, which is a weird thing to like, but I do. <laughs> it is I a like nice that. sound. I like the feedback because it tells you when you put your AirPods in there, if they need to be charged, For sure. it tells you when you put it on the charger, if it's actually charging, right? Yeah, and the case nice. will make sound if you're, if you can't find your case, which is like a real thing that happens to people. Yeah. So I, I think that was really kind of intuitive that they, that they put some thought into what you 
here when you closed this case, you know, I think the whole, it needs to be charged is the most helpful one because the number of times yeah. in the past where I'd pick them up and I'd be like, Oh, whoops, this case is dead. So it's kind of, <laughs> well, nice. also the U one with precision find my, my goodness, please just put that in everything like yes. laptops, Apple TV remotes, just put it everywhere. Right. Like that would be amazing. iPads. I think it'd be yep. great. But I agree. Then the, then the iPhone 14, you know, everyone kind of bemoaned the loss of the mini, I think maybe for a week. And then I feel like nobody, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Like, <laughs> I feel like the plus size is what people would want more. Like the normal consumer wants just a larger phone on the cheaper side. So they don't have to get the pro max. And, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody talk about the mini since September. Yeah. I think all the people who are passionate about the mini just stuck with the 13 mini, right. or they're not the kind of people who have already upgraded their iPhone and they're going to go to the store and they're, they're going to be like, well, there's no more mini. And they're like, okay, I'll take the regular one or I'll take the SE or I'll just keep right. the one I have. I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's not enough people. I know that there are some podcasters who really like the mini. I don't think there are enough average just consumers out there no. who care that much. Nope. No. In fact, I think the reason that the iPhone mini iPhone 13 mini sold at all wasn't the size. It was probably cause it was cheaper. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I can see that. And then the 14 pro, the dynamic Island fine, you know, cool. The always on display. I was very excited about Initially, I tried it and was turned off by it because you still saw the wallpaper and like it always just looked like the phone was on and just constantly and it was hard to tell. Like, did I lock that thing? And it was a little weird. But then in 16.2, just last month or earlier this month, you can now disable the wallpaper and I've now re-enabled the always on display. Like now that the wallpaper can totally go and it's just a black screen with the time and the little widgets that I have on there. I find it much more visually pleasing and useful. So I have it back on now. What about you? How do you do the always on display? I've been using it on. I don't like love the implementation of it. I haven't actually switched to just turning off the the, the wallpaper. I probably will. I think it's useful. Like I have my phone on my desk mounted on a charger that holds it upright so I can see like the time, which is, I mean, I guess I'm looking at a screen that has the time on it also. <laughs> right. but that, I do look at my phone, but I can also see, hey, have any notifications come in without them being like intrusive. And so right. I, I haven't turned off this, the display. I I did want to say about the dynamic island. At first I thought it was just, and I do think it was cool. Like I feel like it was such a smart design feature. Yeah, it's it's They gave it a whole section of the keynote, which right. is just kind of startling. Like it's the first time we've ever seen, I think it's the first time I remember seeing Alan die during a keynote for something like that. Yeah. Maybe, that may not be true, but it's the first time I remember. But the, the more though I've used the phone, the more useful it is, right? Like right yeah. now up in the dynamic island, it shows a little lock. So I know my phone is locked. Or right. if I have, the one that I didn't realize was happening, but does is when you connect your AirPods, your, you know, your AirPods Max or whatever, it'll tell you what the, 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 battery. the battery level is. Yeah. yeah, it's just super useful in things that you can't get if you have the notch. And so I, I think that's a huge win. I hope they bring it down to the base model in the future. Yeah, and I'm sure they will. I love it for directions too, because yep. I, I thought the little blue arrow in the direct, like in the dynamic island was just kind of like a placeholder. Like it was just telling me directions are going. And then I realized that arrow was actually telling you the next turn. Like yep. it is telling you to make a left or right. And the next turn I was like, that's amazing. Like such a small detail, but just a visually great thing to glance at and say, oh, I'm turning right next. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, and I think that the there was some controversy about the way you interact with it. You know, if you tap it, it opens whatever app it signifies, and if you long press, I actually think that makes sense the more I use it because yeah. if I'm glancing at it and I just want to quit, oh, it's directions. I want to see the map. I just tap on it and it goes to it. I wouldn't want to be holding it, right. but if I just want to, if I'm if it's showing me the podcast I'm listening to, I just hold it for a second. I get the larger view and I can you know skip ahead of the ads. Don't do that. No one should ever do that. No, but no, if I wanted to, yeah. I can just hit the plus if, 30 or whatever. chance, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you support the show, so you get the ad-free version, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I would never do that. So, so we make it to October, towards the end of the year. No event in October, but we did have a bunch of press releases and like announcement videos that Apple made. One thing, uh, this is kind of minor, but the Ask Apple for Developers, there's a new forum where developers can contact Apple directly, get their questions asked. And this is, I think, indicative of a more openness to developers and creators where Apple is like helping them out. I experienced this back in August because I was at a podcast conference and Apple podcast literally had a team there where you can schedule like a one-on-one session and like either ask for help or voice grievances. And I did both, <laughs> you know, so you could go there and you could tell them like, I wish you would do this or that and this. And they listened. I don't know if I've seen any of those things that actually like come to fruition just yet, but I think it's great that Apple is like offering more help to creators and developers and uh, being more open that way. It's good. I agree. And I, I have a developer account. I don't know how to develop anything, but I do have a developer account. <laughs> and so I've see, I, I started getting the emails and I'm like, this is really, really kind of an interesting thing that they're doing to try to create some sort of a structure around a process where developers can get help outside of the regularly scheduled programming of WWDC, for example. Right. Yeah, that's great. Apple Card Daily Savings Account. Apple Card Daily... Ca- I don't know about the... Okay. It's the <laughs> Apple Card Daily Cash Savings Account. It was announced in October. It still hasn't launched yet, so we don't know when that's coming. But October is also with the new 10.9-inch iPad with the... Tell me if I get this right. The Magic Keyboard Folio. That yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I think Put some right. words together, find a couple. <laughs> that Use iPad chat launched. GPT and they'll give you a name. Yeah, right? there you go. That iPad and then the M2 iPad Pro was released, as well as the Apple TV 4K, the new models, which one of the fastest iterations of an Apple TV 4K, because we had a new model last year, we got a new two models now this year, up to the storage on both, which is good, made it a little more confusing with the whole thread uh, in which Apple TV models, that's a little weird. But a USB-C on the remote, which was a nice upgrade. And also Ventura launched an iPad OS 16. I think you were actually on a special episode, right? To talk about the iPad specifically like a couple months ago. Yes, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, yes. because uh, you were like, so <laughs> you have so many deep thoughts about it. And uh, I don't know, now that we're a couple months later, I mean, is it still, I mean, it's still weird, right? Like the whole Apple Pencil thing and this iPad, it's strange. Yeah, so I will say... I so we have a 10.9 inch iPad. It is a review unit, so I'm, we're not going to keep it. But our kids have been using it. They love it. It was u- being used in replacement of a, I think, original iPad Air, <laughs> very old oh, device wow, yeah. that's still booted. But whatever. I think the only thing weird about this is the pencil situation, and I just don't think it matters that much because I feel like most of the people who care about the Apple and I. Th- I think this is how Apple looks at it. The people who care about the Apple Pencil are either schools and they're buying the ninth gen and so nothing's different or they're iPad Pro users and they're buying, you know, an Apple Pencil 2 or maybe an iPad Air, but probably the Pro. So this, it's like, we just wanted to, we didn't want to, this is my assumption. We didn't want to introduce an iPad that can't use an Apple Pencil, right? but we, so we're going to make it compatible with the original one, but we can't find a way to make the other one fit. I don't think it was a, 
hey, we're going to do this weird thing because we want you to upsell to an iPad Air if you want the good Apple Pencil. I, I really don't think it was that. I do think it's there's some weirdness about the camera. We talked about that, and that's still kind of weird to me. But yeah. this is actually a really a really good iPad. Like anyone yeah. could buy this, and like you know, we talked about the cheap one or the good one. It just <laughs> happens that now the cheap one is actually pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And the USB C, I think, is a big deal, especially for peripherals and in podcasting. You know, USB microphones. It's awesome to just be able to plug a USB microphone directly into an iPad and not need some weird lightning USB adapter. So yes, and I do wish that Apple made a Magic Keyboard Folio for the other iPads because I yes. like it a lot better than the Magic Keyboard. A lot better. Yeah, because it's it's more versatile, right? Have you the the keyboard the Magic Keyboard is great if the thing you want to do is set it on a desk and type. But it's terrible as a case otherwise because it's heavy as heck and it's not convenient to like, oh, well, I have to pull my iPad out of this case. I'm going to leave that somewhere because it weighs two and a half pounds and then I'm going to use this thing. Whereas with the Magic Keyboard Folio or even the Smart Folio keyboards, which are the ones that just like fold up, like yeah. those are just a lot more versatile, I think. But the Magic Keyboard Folio gets the same keyboard as the Magic Keyboard. I mean, it's a Magic Keyboard. And so I wish that they would make that for the other devices the problem is where the smart connector is located but i mean it's apple they're a big company they could figure it out <laughs> i'm also i need lapability and I've, i do like the magic keyboard for like if i'm going to sit on a sofa outside or whatever like on the patio furniture and use my ipad i think the magic keyboard folio you know it's going to be weird to have that little like kickstand out there and try to use it in your lap That's i totally cool. agree i we talk, i think we talked about that last time and yeah. since then i've realized it is very, very rare that I use my iPad Pro in the in on my lap, okay. and I think part of it's because I primarily use an 11 inch um, iPad Pro, oh, yeah, which yeah. is kind of cramped to be like crouched down on your lap anyway. So right, that is true. All right, November SOS satellite feature for iPhone 14s became available and launched. They also announced Major League Soccer was coming to Apple TV Plus, which I will never watch. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure some people enjoy it. They actually had a podcast award winner for the first time ever. You know, Apple has done app awards for the year, and now they actually awarded a podcast for the podcast of the year, which is cool. A new aspiration of mine now. And I, can't, I forget if the CSAM announcement was November or December. Uh, it was December. Okay, I'll move that. It was on. with the advanced data protection. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I'll move that to December. But for those November things... You know, satellite, the videos that you could see, like Joanna Stern, I Justine, they did all the SOS satellite. It's cool. I don't imagine you've had a use case to, to try out the SOS satellite on your phone. No, but I did do the, te like the demo, right? They, yeah, they the demo. They introduced this amazing demo. It, it's kind of hard to teach someone how to use a thing that could result in a SWAT team showing up or whatever. That's a bad right. thing to be playing around with. Because every child when they were a kid learned, you don't dial 911 unless it's really an emergency. Bad situation. So what they did is they it's like a video game you play and it makes you point your phone at this. But, but the reason I think it's cool is they figured out a way to get you to go through all of the motions without it being a real world scenario, but it right. mimics it so closely that if it ever happened, you would know what to do. Because the way it happens is it doesn't connect to the satellite unless you don't have cell connection and you try to call 911, right? And then it gives you the option, do you want to send a message via SOS or via satellite? But you wouldn't intuitively know that. So if you were stranded somewhere and you knew you didn't have service, are you going to be looking through the settings menu while you're like bleeding out from a wound in your arm? Like, no, right. this is, uh, I, I think that 
the satellite feature itself, almost no one will ever have to use. Although I have seen quite a few stories of like a car that went off a cliff recently yeah, and was saved yeah. by that. Yeah. But hopefully none of us ever have to use it. But I really, if you are listening and you have not gone through the demo, uh, I think if you open the settings app and you haven't done the demo, it will, it will, it will give you that option if you've updated. I, I encourage everyone to do it because it is one of those things where every kid needs to know how to dial 911, but let's just hope none of them do it unless it's an emergency. So Right. Did you see that movie Fall that came out recently? I don't think I did, no. It's, I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it's basically two girls <laughs> that like climb a radio tower and they get stuck at the top and they can't call for help because there's no cell service up there. It's not, it's not a cell tower. It's like a radio tower or whatever. But I just thought as I was watching that movie, I was like, you know... If they had a satellite, a satellite SOS with an iPhone 14, this movie would have been five minutes long. <laughs> just, I mean, it's true of a lot of movies. Yeah, it would be true, only five yeah. minutes. Like phone cast away. Only yep. <laughs> I I am curious. The first time again, don't want anything bad to happen to somebody, but if someone were to use SOS satellite like at sea, because you know you've heard like crazy stories in the past where people get lost at sea for a long time and you know end up just being found or or hitting land or whatever. And I'm curious if someone could use this, uh, you know, in a boat, you know, or, you know, at sea, I would, I would think on the water, the satellite feature would be even better connectivity because there's like nothing blocking the sky. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious the first time that that might happen. Wasn't there someone recently who fell off of a cruise ship and got, maybe they didn't have the SOS feature, but that did happen recently where someone got rescued after being in the water for like 24 hours, but I might Whoa. be conflating. Maybe Apple had nothing to do with that. So let's not give them extra credit, but no, 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 that wasn't Apple, but I do remember that story, which is wild. Yeah. Like hey, you've been on a cruise. I have actually twice. Yep. Yeah. I've been on cruises. And whenever I hear about those stories of someone falling off, like I just remember being on the cruise ship and like, if I fell off, that would be harrowing. Like that would just be the craziest experience. Yeah. It's like, can I yell loud enough that someone 12 stories up would know that I fell off? <laughs> no, no. And that, that's why yeah, it's so, so crazy. Anyway, uh, SOS satellite, everyone just get an iPhone 14 and be ready for the satellite yep. feature and never uh, let your phone out of your hand. <laughs> if you <laughs> Or get a watch because it'll be stuck to your hand. You know, I am curious if the SOS satellite will ever come to a watch, like the Apple watch ultra version two or three, if you would be able to do SOS satellite with that. Yeah. You know, I don't know how big the antenna is inside the iPhone, which I mean, the, the phone didn't get much bigger, but they added the SOS satellite. I'm curious what kind of space is needed for some kind of satellite connectivity, but if you could do it from a watch, that'd be pretty awesome. That's that'd true. Cool. All right. December, we had iOS 16.2 and the freeform app came out everywhere. Advanced data protection for iCloud. They did announce along with that, that CSAM was not going to launch. So the whole like scanning of images or the hashing or whatever, that was announced over a year ago. I think you were actually on for a special episode then as well. That was like August 2021. Yeah, it was pretty controversial. Pretty controversial. A lot of people got upset. And so now it's just not going to happen. Apple's not going to do it, which I find interesting because Google, Amazon, Microsoft, like they already all do it. And I just imagine they didn't say anything about it. And so no one got mad. Well, and they do a more invasive version because they just scan your stuff in the cloud. Right, exactly. And so, you know, Apple was trying to do it the best way possible and everybody still got mad. I mean, think about it. It would be like if you had a storage unit, one of those physical things or, you know, with the garage door that goes yeah, up yeah. and Apple would stand there and look at each thing you, you know, put in, make sure that it wasn't bad stuff. Whereas Google and Facebook, they just walk through anytime they want. And they're like, what you got in here? <laughs> that is, you can't have that. <laughs> Sorry. That is true. And like, 
I, but I just don't ever remember them saying they were doing it. And I guess that's why people didn't get mad. Right. And then when people hear like, oh, they've been doing it for years. Okay. Like that, it just doesn't affect people, I guess. But, right. Uh, plus, if you're using Google stuff, I mean, you just know they're looking at everything anyway. So Exactly. That, that is really the thing that caused the problem for Apple. Yeah. Is everyone's like, yeah, Google and Facebook, of course they are. Like they're, <laughs> right, just, right, they're exactly. just looking at everything. We already, that's baked into the assumption. But right, don't like, do it on my phone. Right? right. Amazon Echoes, they're using what we say for ads. You know, everybody knows you know yep apple music sing also came out uh, on the last episode i did a little apple music sing karaoke with william well he didn't really sing but <laughs> i forced him to listen to me sing uh and then self-service repair launched in europe i just want to say iOS 16.2 has been one of the buggiest software updates that i've experienced in recent years two namely things that i keep running into is the home kit stuff i have 21 accessories all of my leviton and belkin switches disconnect every few days and so I now have a new routine. I go feed the chickens, I go walk the dog, and I reset 21 switches around my house. And so, you know, this is a nice little fun thing to do periodically. But I also, I don't know if you use screen, do you use screen time with your kids stuff? Yes. Has it been buggy for you in 16.2? Not that I'm aware of. My biggest problem with screen time at this point is that the kids keep figuring out the code and there are what? only so many four digit numbers. <laughs> I don't know. How, do they, how are they figuring it I out? I don't know if one of our daughters used to be really sneaky and would like hand me the phone and be like, could you add a contact? But she doesn't even know the person and she just wants to see me type in the code. And there are weird things that have happened. We have, I, I have some smart teenagers that I, it's, wow. we're just really, we're just trying to stay two two steps ahead of them so there may be some bugs but i think the bugs are in the humans not necessarily well, the software see i when i have to put in the screen time code i tell all my kids to leave the house i say everybody get out <laughs> i'm gonna put in the code you come back in 10 minutes <laughs> you go into a skiff right it's <laughs> yeah, a exactly. room and you just yeah. like lock it There's, exactly it's got sound dampening no cameras the bookcase, no windows the bookcase no turns around you know <laughs> yeah yep. so I, I don't mess around with that but my son Thankfully, he's told me, but he has said several times that the Safari restrictions that I have only certain websites are allowed. Right. So there's three options. There's unrestricted, there's limited adult sites, and then there's only allowed websites. And that's the setting I have for both my kids. So I have to manually input any website that they want to access. And there's been three times in the last couple of weeks where it has just stopped restricting. Mm. And my son will just have like unlimited access to Safari to go wherever he wants. And he tells me when it happens, thankfully, but like, that's a bad sign. <laughs> like that's not good. If Safari restrictions just randomly disable. And then when I go in to try and change it, I'll go into settings, screen time, and then I'll go to my son's screen time settings and on my phone or iPad, it'll just be a blank screen. And I'll have to wait like five minutes for the screen time settings to just appear. And then I can go in and do it. Like it is not good. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but 60.2 is and you're using the production version, right? Oh, yeah. I'm not on any of the betas. The beta. No, yeah. no, no, no. Not on any of the betas. Okay. Because I've had similar issues when I have the beta where like screen, like Safari screen time will just open up. So, yeah, I, I don't do any of the betas, but not great. Uh, so I don't know what, what's going on there. Hopefully 16.3 fixes some of it. But Yeah. The I advanced agree. data protection, too. I enabled that uh, day one. I probably should have waited to see if there were any bugs in that. But I was like, eh, let's just do it. I sent my wife as a contact, recovery contact, and it seemed to work fine. Did you enable that right away? I haven't yet, but the reason is I have too many devices connected to my iCloud. I have to go through and like start booting some oh, yeah, yeah, things yeah. off. I have some old laptops that can't be updated, so I got to take them off my iCloud. to Because if you, 
the thing is, if if they're not all running it, it won't let you turn that on because no. you will have devices who are not capable of whatever. So, right. I I plan to do it. But I, I like your philosophy. You're like, ah, whatever. It's how bad could it be if I get locked out of my stuff? I mean, it's only all my photos. I just click the button. I, I do mean, think. I, yeah. It reminds me of if you turn on File Vault on your Mac, oh, it, you know, you can encrypt your hard drive. It's like, by the way, you may never see your stuff again, so don't forget <laughs> your password. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait, who would do this? <laughs> wait, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I have multiple devices signed into my iCloud account, so I, I figure I'm good, <laughs> you know, and my wife is a, a recovery contact, so that should be fine. I don't know. It's been a week. It's been fine. So no, I think it's. I think it will be perfectly fine for most people. If you think about it, have you ever been locked out of your iCloud account before? No, I never have. Never. Right, I've never had that problem, and I don't even know my iCloud password. It's just one password has it. I don't know right. if I should be saying these things out loud, but like I, I don't. No one can get it. I mean, if you don't, that's even true. Know it, yeah. But the times when I have to type it in, there have been times when like I had to download a boarding pass on a like a hotel. Yeah. thing or whatever i'm like sitting there looking, looking at one password like tapping in like one random character at a time or whatever so like no one's getting into my iCloud account yeah I, as long as i don't get kicked out of my one password account i'll be fine right so i've right. never lost access to it so i'm sure for most people it'll be just fine i this is the thing that apple has been trying to do for for a, for a while right? right they and i feel like they've resisted doing it only because they couldn't do it in a way that would solve the customer service issue of people showing up at the genius bar and like, I can't get my crap. And right. the government clearly has been trying to get them to not do this for a long time. I think that was less of a concern to them. The bigger concern was the whole people showing up and can't get their photos. And it's right. really sad to tell someone, yep, you can't get your photos. Sorry about that. But that is really sad. Yeah. So I enabled it. I'll let you know if, if I get locked out. That would be terrible. <laughs> I know. Uh, let your wife know she's your recovery contact. So you can tell me all you want. I won't help you. I can't help you. Right. Exactly. Maybe I'll add you as a recovery contact. We'll there see. You go. <laughs> this will be this will be fantastic. Let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> so that was December. So things we didn't get this year: the Apple Music Classical app, which back in the newsroom article from 2021, it said it would come this year. It didn't come. Apple Pay Later, which was announced at WWDC, where you can like pay in four payments on something. That didn't come out. The Apple Card Daily Cash Savings Account didn't come out. And notably, the Mac Pro is nowhere to be found. So even though this was kind of the end of the two-year cycle to transition the Mac lineup, it uh, didn't happen. What, do you think that was like a supply chain? People wouldn't buy a, an expensive Mac Pro right now? Or what do you think? I mean, Mark Gurman said Apple basically changed plans because supply chain and people probably wouldn't upgrade to it right now or whatever. But what do you think? Well, and Apple doesn't talk about things until they're ready to talk about them, which makes right. it really hard to figure out because I, I bet there's a conversation somewhere where someone's thinking, do we need a Mac Pro? I mean, we said we were right. going to do it, but the, Mac, the Mac Studio, Studio is yeah, really exactly. good. And right. I know the Mac Studio, you can't put like a terabyte of memory in, which you could do in the old Mac Pro, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that in the new Mac Pro either. It's going to be a really weird product because in some ways, the current Mac Pro is probably going to be better for certain use cases. Right. If you care about having certain types of GPU cards, if you care about having all of that, you know, memory, I'm sure you can upgrade the storage as high as they, as you would want in the new Mac right. pro, but it's going to be a really weird product. And I wonder if there's a conversation like we got this Mac studio and people seem to really like it and no one has, you know, I, so I don't really know. I mean, even when you think about the people who, who that at least I listen to on podcasts who are Mac pro users, some of them have been pretty happy with the Mac Studio and probably wouldn't buy the $10,000 Mac Pro that's coming, but yeah. Apple said it's coming. So I will be really interested right. to hear how they either work their way out of it if it's 
not coming or what the story will be because it's clearly going to be late, right? And no matter when you start counting those two years, we have passed it. So, right, like, exactly. Even the most generous <laughs> discussion of when the year might have started, it's like if something, you know, it's a rolling schedule. I don't know, but it's we're past right. that point. So it, it will be interesting to see how they either explain that story or maybe they just won't and they'll pretend, <laughs> pretend like nothing ever happened. I mean, that's that is something Apple might do, so... Do you think we'll see at WWDC? Might they say something then? I think that if they're going to actually make this product something that they sell to humans, then that would be the latest time that they have. To, I, yeah. Uh, people will start to to wonder. I don't think they want to go through the whole, you know, the Mac Pro is terrible. Why won't you fix it for us conversation again? Because right. that's when they introduced the previous one. And I don't think they want that one to become the albatross that the trash can was. Right? right. So they have to address it by then. I think I don't, I don't think there's any way around it. They either have to say, look, we <laughs> were surprised by how much our customers love the Mac studio. And so we find that it fills the need. And so we're not going to give you the Mac, Pro. the Mac Pro because you've told us you don't want it anymore. So we're just doing what you want. Like that's a thing that could happen. And, but I feel yeah. like if it's going to happen, it has to happen by WWDC for sure. Yeah. I think so. Too. I think we'll hear something about it at least by then. But I don't think it would be just a supply chain thing. I think it would be right. more of a, gosh, you know, like, is there really a spot for this thing anymore? Right. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Last thing, just looking to 2023, I'm curious what either hardware or software, anything off the top of your head, what would, do you hope to get or see launched next year in 2023? I, I have two things. Well, there's probably more than two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the two that I will just come with off the top of my head, the first one is I really hope that they move the camera, the front-facing camera <laughs> on the rest of the iPads. Like, please, <laughs> like, just do it. It's it's not going to be hard. I don't care what you have to do to the Apple Pencil. Split it in half. Make me, make, <laughs> I don't, whatever. It just, yeah, you, just th this it. is, you are smart people. <laughs> And I think the reason you didn't do it before is because you just didn't really want to upgrade anything else. So you just put the M2 in place. You pulled the M1s out of the, all the existing stock and stuck M2s in them and that's fine, but fix that because right. it's dumb. It's we're past the point where it's dumb. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, and I don't say that about a lot of things, but you have proven that, I mean, you've admitted, well, they won't admit it, but you've admitted that it belongs there because right, you right. put it on the one. <laughs> you moved it on the one. You moved it. You would not have, you didn't, you didn't imagine that people who use a 10.9 inch iPad use it so differently than the people who use an 11 inch iPad that, Oh, those people might want it on this side, but everybody else. No. So just fix that please. And, and uh, center stage does not compensate enough no. to, to adjust for that. So that's the one big wish list for me, please. And I don't even know that we're going to get an iPad pro this year. Probably not. Probably not so it's yeah. probably not going to get fixed. But that's my thing. And then for software, actually, we didn't really talk about it, but with 16.2, they, they introduced Freeform, yeah. which I actually think is a really interesting app. And I think that it has some really good use cases. But what I hope that they do, and I did ask Apple about this, and they were kind of like, no, that, this, is, this is how it works. And fine. <laughs> but it's limited to only people who are using devices who have iOS 16.2 or Ventura or iPad OS. Meaning there's a lot of people who you might work with and want to do this, you know, share this with that you can't. Meaning anyone on Android and anyone on a PC. And I feel like they've already shown with the iWork suite, you know, pages, numbers, that you can use those all in a browser, right? right? You can. You can go in and use all those apps in a browser. It'd be great if you could send a link to a freeform board to someone who wasn't necessarily using a Mac. And when they click on it, it just opens in a browser. Maybe it's reduced functionality they can't actually contribute, but they could see 
what's on that board. I feel like that would make that tool much more universally helpful to people because it actually is like, it's, it's really good. Like they did a good, it's, it, it's deceivingly good. At first it doesn't seem like it's much more than just notes with an infinite canvas, but it's actually pretty good. Mm. I just hope that they make that adjustment. When I talked to them about freeform, it didn't seem like anyone had considered that, (laughs) but I think it's because it's like a 1.0 product, right? Yeah. yeah. So that would be the, the big software thing. I, a lot of people have like, maybe they need or not maybe, but Ventura's, you know, settings panels to it's fine. Like I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. Don't it fix anything fine. else. Just fix free form. <laughs> and um, I mean, they do that with FaceTime now where you can have a FaceTime link and send it to an Android phone or a PC and everybody, anybody can tune into FaceTime now. So yeah, it would make sense for free form. Uh, also, I'm hoping uh, shortcuts get some attention, especially on the Mac. I would love to see automations in shortcuts on the Mac. I have been really liking iCloud Keychain. I find that it's really good, especially with the two-factor authentication codes and all that. I'd love to be able to share some iCloud Keychain items with my family members, and I think that would make it a more competitive product versus like one password and such. And so I would love to see that. And I feel like we still don't have interactive widgets. Like it'd be nice if you could, you know, interact with widgets on your iPhone and not open the app, like the Things widget, to be able to add a task right there on the home screen rather than have to jump into the app. So it's been, uh, what, two years? This WWDC, it'll be two years since widgets launched. And uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see some interaction there. I agree with you, especially on the widgets thing, because and Things is a great example, and I've asked them about this, and it has all to do with the way that, like, the timeline of, you know, events and stuff. But if if you don't open the Things, if you don't tap on the Things widget, it doesn't refresh the Things Right. That's a bad way of saying it, but it doesn't refresh the items in the widget. So you might be looking at to do's that you've already done like three days ago and they still just sit there because that widget does not up. And it's, I've asked things about it and they're like, well, that's because of the restrictions of the way that we display things and the operating system doesn't go into it to look to see if there's been a change like it does with calendar stuff like fantastic how that kind of stuff. So I agree with you. It's at this point, it's, it's borderline comical that we can't do more with these widgets. They're just sitting there displaying information. I really hope that, but you, you said you shared vaults for, so, I mean, this would be like a shared vault on like one password or something because you can share them, right? You can actually just share a keychain item, but you're talking more about like having a shared vault that you could put a common set of things that when your spouse wants to log into the bank account, you're going to be nice and letter. So you don't have to actually have that in each of your vaults. It's just in a common one. That's what you mean, a more organized structure of it. Cause you could just share that keychain item with her, like through airdrop or whatever. Right. Right. But then it doesn't auto update, right? Like, so if I have to change the password for a login, she'll have an old password. So, and this would be great. Like again, a standalone passwords app. If you know, iCloud keychain could move into that and then it'd be easier to manage some of that stuff. But yeah, I think because they have notes now, two-factor authentication, you know, it's pretty powerful and it, it works really well across all the things. So yeah, I would just, it'd be nice to have like those persistently shared. If it updates here, it updates everybody, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I mean, I love one password, but I'll be honest, I, if I could, I would just use, I mean, I do use our cloud keychain for 
almost the same stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. the things in both places, but it would be great to just only have one of them. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. I have duplicates, so every time I go to a website, like all the like one password and I call Keychain like fight for oh, the login, great. <laughs> you know. And like I could turn one off, but sometimes it's like I, I don't. I don't know. Like, and because sometimes I have multiple logins saved for something like Google, I have like a billion Google accounts. <laughs> like, I'm not sure like which has the, the, the right password right now. And if it, it messes up. So I would love for you to just manage one password database. And if it could be iCloud keychain, like I'd be totally down with that. Like, it'd be nice. I agree. I mean, and I save things into both only because if I had to imagine on an infinite time scale, iCloud keychain is going to be around longer than one password. I mean, right. I'm not, I think one password is great and I hope they, they stay around for a long time, but I, it, it, they're not baked into the operating system the way that the keychain right. is. So yeah, right, exactly. And I'm, I'm curious next year, what hardware re- releases or launches will tempt me to upgrade? Because I said this on last week's episode with William, but all the devices I have right now, like my M2 iPad pro, my Mac studio, the studio display. I mean, obviously I'll get a new iPhone when that comes out, but everything else, like Things are so good right now. Like all the product lines are, are really great. And obviously Apple's always going to bump, make it a little better specs wise or whatever. Even my 14 inch MacBook Pro, which is a year old now, still feels great. Like the ProMotion screen, I have an M1 Pro model, but that's plenty for me. I don't know what, what product might tempt you to upgrade in the new year, if any. I mean, if they introduce an iPad with the camera in the right place, I will buy five of them. <laughs> okay. I will buy one in every size. Just to replace every iPad in our house with those. But yeah. beyond that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be looking for, I don't care what they do to an iPad, to the studio display. I'm not, I don't, you just need one, right? It's not the kind of thing that you need to upgrade anytime soon. Unless they do put a power button on it, that would probably motivate me to want be nice, yeah. Because you, otherwise you got to rip the cord out. But um, I don't, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I'm currently using an M2 MacBook Air, and it's oh, nice. like, and I had used a MacBook Pro for a little bit, but because of the amount of travel I do, there actually is a noticeable weight difference between those two. If you're throwing it in a backpack, and yeah. the, <clears throat> the Air does everything I needed to do, so like, I don't know. Like, if they put an M2 series chip in the MacBook Pros, I that's great, but it's not going to necessarily tempt me to. I, I mean, not only will it not tempt me, I will not be buying one because, okay. like. I write words on a page. <laughs> I don't do, right. even if I record podcasts or whatever, the MacBook Air is really great at that. So I, I but I say this every year and I feel yeah, like there's true. True. pretty good chance that they're going to, you know, release something. Uh, if, they, if they introduce a laptop that had a touch screen, really, I probably would consider that. Yeah. I mean, I've used, I've reviewed a lot of PC laptops and it's really nice to have a touch screen. To huh. be honest, I don't know why Apple doesn't do it. I just, I don't get it, but like the, the XPS 13, the Dell XPS 13, it's, it's actually a really great, I don't know. And I mean, windows is terrible, but it's good. to. T- <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not any more terrible just because you can tap on the screen and there are things, think about how you use your iPad. There are things where it's nice to just, if you're, if you're reading something on a screen to just reach up and tap, swipe, you know, to scroll or whatever that it, huh. I wish that they would, if they did that, I would, I, I don't expect them to do it this year. In fact, I would be stunned if they did that this year but if they did it would be something that would make me consider upgrading that's interesting i, I really don't have any desire for that i don't know I, I have you used a laptop that does that ever i used a pixel book the like the first one that google made that was like super high quality like it was really nice and then you could take the screen off and it'd be, become like a tablet i think and i used a, a surface that did that too and like it was fine you know to scroll 
by reaching up and, and doing that. But aside from scrolling, which you know you could do with a trackpad, I guess I didn't do a lot with it. I don't know. I found, this is weird, but I found that having my fingers on the keyboard and reaching up to do something to gesture was faster than having my keyboard, my fingers on the keyboard and having to reach over to a mouse. Huh. Because it's less brain input, I guess. Like I just touch my, you know, like, Ooh, I want that thing. I touch it. And as opposed to, I want that thing. I have to reach over here to my mouse and move a cursor and click. So to me in those situations where it's like, oh, I'm reading something, I can scroll and then I see another article I want to read. I just tap on it. Like that kind mm. of interactions to me, was, maybe it's because I use an iPad so much that sure. I like that. But I would 100% consider a, a Mac. Now, I don't like the rip the <laughs> rip the lid off. Kind right, of, right. Turn it it, I don't need that. No, no, I don't no. need any of that. Just let me touch the screen. That's all. Okay. Touchscreen laptop. Jason Aiton. That's what he says. Yeah. All there right. You go. <laughs> well, Jason, thanks for joining me again for a year in review. Third year in a row. I know our listeners can find you at Undigital, both the newsletter and podcast. Put links in the show notes to that. Anywhere else you'd like to direct people? No, that's great. I mean, I'm at Jason Aiton on Twitter. What about Mastodon? Are you on Mastodon? I am, actually. um, Jason Aiton at (laughs) Mastodon.world. That's where I'm at. It's it's so weird. But I'll put links to all that. I started putting the Mastodon links in last week's episode for William and me. You're trying to get banned. Well, yeah. Well, it's just in the show notes. You know what I mean? Twitter doesn't. Oh, yeah, they don't, they don't go. read that. My goodness, we, we don't have time to talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll put your your Twitter link and your Mastodon link uh, in the show notes. Jason, thanks for joining me again. Thanks, Stephen. Happy New Year.